The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Shares of Netflix plunge after its first subscriber loss in a decade. The port city of Mariupol in Ukraine is in jeopardy. We'll have the very latest. And the Justice Department may appeal the public transit mask ruling if the Centers for Disease Control says so. A Connecticut state police trooper who fired seven gunshots into a car killing a man has been arrested. Plus, Shanghai continues to ease COVID rules. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Mets have the best record in baseball. They swept the doubleheader from the Giants. The Yankees won in Detroit. The Rangers shut out Winnipeg. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Again, futures are little changed. The DAX in Germany up 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury up 14.30 seconds, yield 2.88%. The yield on the two-year, 2.55%. NYMEX crude oil is up three-quarters of a percent, up 78 cents at $103.34 a barrel. COMEX gold is down four-tenths percent, or Seven dollars fifty cents at nineteen fifty one fifty an ounce. Nathan, Karen, we begin this morning with the plunge in Netflix shares. They are down more than twenty six percent following the company's disappointing earnings. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The streaming giant unexpectedly lost subscribers for the first time in a decade, and it sees another drop of two million users this quarter. So, in an effort to improve results, co CEO Reed Hastings says Netflix will introduce a cheaper advertising supported option for subscribers in the next couple of years. I'm a bigger fan of consumer choice and allowing consumers who would like to have a lower price and are advertising tolerant um, get what they want makes a lot of sense. Netflix co-CEO Reed Hastings says the company will also start to crack down on people sharing their passwords. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, we are seeing the Netflix results impact other streaming services. Shares of Disney are down more than 4%, while Roku is off by 6%. And one other stock of note that's moving this morning is IBM. Shares are up 1.5% of the company's sales topped analyst estimates. And the earnings continue to roll in, Karen, with 16 companies in the S&P 500 reporting today, including Tesla. Let's get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. One big focus for first quarter earnings at the world's biggest electric automaker, how much the COVID-19 shutdown to the company's Shanghai plant have impacted production there. Also of concern, the impact of the global computer chip shortage and the ongoing supply chain issues that have affected all automakers. 
But Bloomberg Consensus calls for adjusted earnings of $2.27 a share and revenues of $17.92 billion. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Tom, thank you. Well, turning to the economy now, U.S. 10-year real yields briefly turned positive this morning for the first time since March of 2020. Meanwhile, Chicago Fed President Charles Evans said interest rates will probably rise above the neutral level, but how much higher will hinge on whether inflation cools as expected. Probably we are going beyond neutral. I mean, that's my expectation when I see that taking out special factors, I'm still left with three to three and a half percent inflation. That's not what we want. Chicago Fed President Charles Evans made the comments yesterday at the Economic Club of New York. And we may get a clearer picture behind the Fed's thinking, Karen, when it would say a regional economic survey known as the Beige Book comes out this afternoon. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview. Americans say they are discouraged by inflation, but are they pulling back on spending and investment? The Beige Book will offer Fed officials anecdotal evidence on the impact of rising prices and the outlook for the next few months. Activity has been mixed, showing some cooling in goods demand that could ease price pressures, although there's been a greater appetite for services recently. First quarter growth is forecast to slow considerably from the fourth quarter's sizzling 6.9% annual rate. It's not definitive by any means, but the Beige Book will offer some color on whether that slowdown is going to be temporary or longer lasting. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Michael, thank you. We now want to update you on the latest developments in the war. The port city of Mariupol in Ukraine is on the brink. Ukrainian defenders say they're surrounded and they're appealing to world leaders for help. Bloomberg's Amy Morris reports. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky posted a video to social media. Saying that the Russian army is writing itself into world history as the most barbaric and inhumane army in the world, in part because they're blocking efforts to create humanitarian corridors, especially in Mariupol, where the commander of one Ukrainian brigade is pleading for help from other countries to evacuate civilians from the port city. Russia has given the fighters until 2 p.m. in Moscow, that's 7 a.m. Eastern, to lay down their arms and surrender. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Amy, thank you. Turning to the pandemic, the Justice Department says it's prepared to appeal the mask mandate ruling if necessary. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The DOJ says it will appeal if the CDC decides that the mandate should remain in place after May 3rd when the current one expires. Currently, the recommendations remain in place but not mandated under the ruling. The White House is keeping its mandate in force, and spokeswoman Jen Psaki says the administration says it is a smart thing to do. We're continuing to encourage people to wear masks uh, in public transit. They'll make that decision because it's obviously not being implemented at this moment in time, but we'll continue to abide by CDC guidance. For now, it is a personal decision. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, and thank you, Ellen Wall Street. The days of free lunch at Goldman Sachs are over, marking the end of a pandemic office perk. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The investment bank says it will transition back to paid-for-meal service for breakfast and lunch on April 25th. Goldman also says it will boost the stipend for meals out of hours to $30 from $25. Wall Street firms have been using free food as part of the push to bring employees back to their desks during a pandemic that has fueled the rise of hybrid schedules and remote work. Goldman has been one of the most aggressive financial firms in 
pushing for a return to the office. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. And sticking with the banking theme, join us later today when we speak live with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan. That's coming up at noon, Wall Street time, on Balance of Power on both Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. Local headlines and a check of sports next on Bloomberg Daybreak. It's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 43 degrees in Central Park. Seeing light volume on the bridges and tunnels. We'll check in with Peter Van, see if that's holding up. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The New Jersey Catholic Diocese of Camden has agreed to pay $87.5 million to civil claims involving clergy sex abuse with about 300 alleged victims. It is one of the largest cash settlements involving the Catholic Church in the U.S. Mark Crawford is with the state chapter of the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. I'm glad it's come to fruition. Um, I hope and believe that it will lead to some small level of closure and uh, hopefully some validation for the victims of clergy abuse within the Diocese of Camden, New Jersey. Mark Crawford with the Survivors Network says the settlement carries a unique agreement, including turning over documents. Connecticut State Police say a trooper who fired seven gunshots into a car and killed a man in 2020 after a high-speed chase has been arrested in connection with the shooting. Authorities say Trooper Brian North turned himself in to the State Inspector General last evening. North fatally shot Mubarak Suleiman in January of 2020 as Suleiman sat in the driver's seat of a car in West Haven where the chase ended and police boxed in the car. The state police union says North risked his life and it is defending his actions. It looks like New York City doorman won't go on strike after all. Yesterday, a tentative deal was reached to avert a potential walkout a day ahead of the deadline. The agreement reached the union and the Realty Advisory Board averts what would have been the first strike of residential building service workers in New York City in 31 years. A Chinese health official says 4 million people in Shanghai have been allowed to leave their homes as the coronavirus quarantine rules ease. That brings the total to almost 12 million people who have been allowed to leave their homes as China's largest city tries to contain the virus outbreaks. New Jersey's governor has some thoughts as the state prepares to legalize recreational pot sales. Governor Phil Murphy won't be partaking in pot, but he does have a preference. It's never been an animating thing for me. If we were legalizing scotch, I would show up with a shopping cart. Governor Murphy says recreational pot sales begin tomorrow. By the way, today's date is 420. You know. Global (laughs) News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan? Some know. Thank you, Michael. Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Nathan. Oh, look now with the Mets at 9-3 and three of the best record in the major leagues. A doubleheader sweep of the Giants at City Field. It began with a big comeback. Mets trailed 4-1, to one, tied the game, then won it in the 10th inning. No balls, two strikes on Lindor. Garcia's pitch. Swing a line right toward center field. That's going to get down. A base hit. It rolls toward the wall in right center. Nimmo scores. And Francisco Lindor comes through. Mets win in 10. 5 for the final. WCBS to call Francisco Lindor. Rough first season in New York, but off to a hot start this year. He had two more hits in the nightcap. One by the Mets, 3-1, to one, thanks to Max Scherzer, his first home start. Scherzer flirted with a no-hitter. Lost it in the sixth inning, but gave up just the one hit. Struck out 10 in seven 
winning Scherzer is already 3-0. and In Detroit, the Garrett Cole struggles continue. The supposed Yankee ace couldn't finish the second inning. He got only five outs. He issued five walks. But Clark Schmidt followed Cole with three and a third scoreless relief. Six strikeouts in the Yankees. Beat the Tigers 4-2. 50th win for the Rangers. 3-0 over Winnipeg at the Garden. Ryan Strom scored twice. And Igor Sesterkin with 31 saves. The Rangers have won their last three games by a combined 11 to nothing. First time the Rangers have had three straight shutouts since the Eddie Jockerman days in 1973. NBA playoff wins for Miami, Memphis, and New Orleans. An upset win at Phoenix. Nets and Celtics tonight. Game two in Boston. Kyrie Irving fined $50,000 by the NBA for his Middle finger salutes to Celtic fans on Sunday. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Futures turning flat now. S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures up 27 points. NASDAQ futures are lower by 18 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 17, 30 seconds. The yield, 2.87%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 2.54%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures trimming losses. European stocks extending gains as a rally in treasuries signals calming nerves over inflation. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures higher up 42 and NASDAQ futures, they're down 11. The DAX in Germany is up 1.2%. The 10-year treasury up 17.30 seconds. Yield 2.86%. Yield on the two-year, 2.54%. NYMEX crude oil is up 17 Tenths percent or 75 cents at $103.31 a barrel. Comex gold down two tenths percent or $3.90 at $19.55 an ounce. The euro 1.0865 against the dollar. British pound 1.3050. The yen at 127.62. And Bitcoin this morning higher at $41,540. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Russia is pouring more troops into Ukrainian cities and towns. The fighting in the East seeks to slice the country in two in a potentially pivotal battle for control of Ukraine's industrial heartland of coal mines and factories. Winds kicked up a towering wall of flames in rural northern Arizona, tearing through two dozen structures and forcing the evacuation of more than 700 homes. In MLB, the Yankees won. The Mets swept a doubleheader against the Giants. The Nationals swept a doubleheader against the Diamondbacks. The Red Sox won. The A's beat the Orioles 2-1. But the game was played before the smallest Oakland crowd in 42 years, almost 3,750 fans. In the NHL, the Rangers and Bruins won. The Islanders lost an OT to the Panthers 3-2. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're very pleased to have Joe Quinlan on with us this morning, head of CIO Market Strategy at Maryland Bank of America Private Bank. 
Joe, it's great to speak with you this morning. Obviously, earnings in focus right now with the big miss for Netflix. Does that have implications for the earnings season more broadly? It could, Nathan. But remember, you know, the miss from Netflix, I mean, they'll stay at home stocks. They're going to, you know, downside pressure because we're now we're looking at reopening. So kind of the opposite of the airline. So, I mean, I think it's it's healthy what we're seeing in terms of earnings, good top line growth, working through the pricing pressures. And the economy is opening up. So the stay at home plays that we saw two years ago that worked well. Now we're shifting the growth. The composition of U.S. growth is shifting and we're going outbound. Of course, the uh, reopening uh, has led to these inflation pressures we're seeing and a tightening Fed. How are you advising your clients to navigate a uh, more restrictive, potentially, central bank? Yeah, it's, it's kind of an education process for a lot of our clients because they haven't experienced this type of inflation in, in, ever in some cases. But we're looking at more like using, say, equities, cyclicals, the dividend players as inflation hedges. So we still like kind of that value to energy commodities in that space. We're not giving up on that. We still think there's room to run metals, materials. So we're really using equities as an inflation hedge and, you know, hard assets, whether it's real estate as well, fits into that bucket. Is that because there's just no other alternative to equities in terms of getting a return? At this juncture, because, yes, that yes, because at this juncture, the Fed is moving, going to have to move very aggressively, not just raising rates, quantitative tightening. So from our point of view, there's a lot of work to be done by the Fed, higher yield curve, and we suggest inflation has not peaked just yet. So there's a lot to work to be done in the credit markets. That's we think augurs for more cyclical growth and commodities. How aggressive do you think the Fed is going to go, Joe? We heard from Charles Evans from the Chicago Fed saying rates might need to go above neutral to fight inflation. Do you think they get that aggressive? It will depend on the next couple of months, the readings, how tight the labor market is, how much wage pressures. With May, June, and July, our call from the top of the house is 50 basis points and then 25 basis points from there on. So it's a pretty aggressive call. Uh, all things considered. So how, where's the terminal rate? No one really knows. And that's really, you know, Nathan, we kind of we haven't thought about this, but the supply chain problems aren't over. They're getting worse, in fact, from vis-a-vis China. So these inflationary pressures, supply-related, demand-related, they're not going away anytime soon. So we could see the terminal rate above the rate of inflation, for sure. Now, that uh, brings to the question about whether a tightening Fed can uh, bring this economy in for a soft landing. What's your outlook for recession, given the uh, pressures we're still seeing in the supply chains? Well, we see the odds of recession rising for 23. It's not our call, no doubt about it. We're not worried about this year. There's a good head of steam with the consumer. Monetary policy works with a lag, so these rate hikes will be felt next year in terms of recessionary risk. It's not a foregone conclusion that we have to have a recession. A slowdown, we're looking for less than 2% growth in 23. That's being baked into the cake with earnings. So it doesn't have to end badly, i.e. recession, but definitely a slowdown. There's no doubt about that. Well, we did have real yields briefly turn positive uh, overnight for the first time in two years. What's that say about inflation expectations and the potential market impact with uh, real yields moving higher potentially? Well, there's some parts of the market now looking to say, you know, kind of when do we move into the fixed income space? I mean, when do equities start looking less attractive relative to fixed income? So that's something that I think is going to be part of the narrative for the second half of this year. I don't think we're there just yet. 
But I think the key, Nathan, is that we came into this slowdown this year in the U.S. at least, not China and Europe, with a good head of steam led by the consumer. And I think that's going to surprise people to the upside in terms of overall growth and the overall level of earnings and why you want to still stick with equities. Only about 30 seconds left here. In terms of equity hedges, are there certain sectors you like particularly? Yeah, we like the REITs. We like the commodity complex, agriculture. You know, some of these issues are pretty acute right now, but to me, they're secular in terms of the food price pressures. Energy, we still like. And metals, minerals, you know, when you talk about EV, solar, renewables, very metal intensive. Everyone knows that. And to create that, the supply, it's going to take years, not quarters, to fix that. So we still, and it's the infrastructure, right? It's the infrastructure around natural gas. It's the infrastructure around oil, around mining. That's where I think there's going to be some value and more upside earning surprises. Thanks for this, Joe. Great having you on with us this morning. Joe Quinlan, head of CIO Market Strategy at Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. Right now, S&P futures are little changed, up just one point. Dow futures up 39 points. NASDAQ futures lower still by 17 points. The 10-year Treasury up 18.30 seconds. The yield 2.86% on the 10-year. Yield on the 2-year, 2.54%. Just ahead, more U.S. weapons, heavy weapons going to Ukraine. And the Biden administration says it may appeal the mask ruling. Five things you need to know to start your day just ahead. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Early clouds give way to sunshine today with a high near 60 degrees. More clouds than sun tomorrow near 60. We'll get up near 70, partly sunny by Friday. Currently 43 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest-cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, streaming giant Netflix slumping after yesterday's shocking earnings report. Shares are currently down 27% in early trading. We get the latest live from Bloomberg. Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Netflix unexpectedly lost subscribers for the first time in a decade, and the streaming giant sees another drop of 2 million users this quarter. So in an effort to improve results, co-CEO Reed Hastings says Netflix will introduce a cheaper advertising-supported option for subscribers in the next couple of years. He also says the company will start to crack down on people sharing their passwords. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. And six Sixteen more companies in the S&P report earnings today, including Tesla. Bloomberg intelligence analysts are watching how competition and global supply chain disruptions are testing the electric vehicle giant's ambitious annual delivery goals. Well, Nathan oversees the key Ukrainian port city of Mariupol is in jeopardy as defenders say they're outnumbered by Russia. Ukraine is appealing to world leaders for help amid Russia's offensive in the country's southern and eastern regions. Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego of Arizona tells Bloomberg's Joe Matthew the U.S. is continuing to supply Ukraine with military aid, which should help in their fight in the Donbass region. By us supplying them just 
and, and their own artillery, as well as radars to actually counter the artillery, that, to counter to know where it's coming from. Ukraine's going to be able to, to have some level of, of evening of the playing field. Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego speaking with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Turning to the economy, Karen, the Federal Reserve releases its beige book today. And Chicago Fed President Charles Evans says interest rates will probably rise above the neutral level, depending off, uh, depending on if inflation cools as expected. And Nathan, in the nation's capital, the Justice Department says it's ready to appeal a ruling by a judge who struck down the Biden administration's nationwide mask mandate on planes, trains, and other public transport. The department may appeal if the CDC decides masks should remain in place past the current assessment period. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. S&P futures are little change this morning and straight ahead. Your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 43 degrees in Central Park and delays building through the Holland Tunnel. We'll get the details in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. It's one of the largest cash settlements involving the Catholic Church in the U.S., The Catholic Diocese of Camden, New Jersey, has agreed to pay $87.5 million to settle claims involving clergy sex abuse with about 300 alleged victims. Mark Crawford is with the state chapter of the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. There's victims, you know, who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who have come forward. So these allegations I know, they're 1950s, 60s, 70s, you know, throughout several decades. Crawford says he's glad it has come to fruition. The Justice Department is threatening to take over Rikers Island unless sweeping changes are made at the jail facility. Sixteen people died there last year, and so far three inmates have died this year. Staff shortages have also been a big problem. A spokesperson says the DOC is committed to improving conditions. Connecticut State Police say a trooper who fired seven gunshots into a car and killed a man in 2020 after a high-speed chase has been arrested in connection with the shooting. Authorities say Trooper Brian North turned himself in to the state inspector general. A Chinese health official says four million more people in Shanghai have been allowed to leave their homes as coronavirus quarantine rules ease. That brings to almost 12 million people who now have been allowed to leave their homes. The tunnel fire is ravaging the Flagstaff, Arizona area. Officials say it has consumed more than 6,000 acres. Patrice Horseman is chair of the Board of Supervisors for Coconino County. The tunnel fire has been fueled by high winds and dry conditions, and the county has deployed all available resources. We have requested assistance from the state of Arizona and the federal government. Patrice Horseman with the Coconino County says thousands have had to flee their homes. AAA says Americans are putting aside their concerns about gas prices, inflation, and even the pandemic and hitting the road for Memorial Day. Reservations for things like flights, rental cars, cruises, and hotels for the holiday are up 122% over last year. The AAA's Ellen Edmonds says the data was collected before the mask mandate was struck down. Even with that still in effect, we were seeing strong reservations. I don't know that that'll impact it one way or the other. The AAA's Ellen Edmonds. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 
Coming up to 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here again is John Stashauer. Nathan, 19 innings of baseball played at City Field and two wins for the Mets, who are a major league best, 9-3. and three, A doubleheader sweep for the Giants. Mets won the opener 5-4 to four in 10 innings. They had trailed 4-1. to one. Francisco Lindor had the game tying and winning hits. They finished the sweep, winning 3-1. to one. Max Scherzer has been as advertised. He's already 3-0. and oh. His first Mets start at home was a near no-hitter. He lost it in the sixth inning but gave up just the one hit, struck out 10 in seven innings. As for Garrett Cole, his struggles continue, though the Yankees won in Detroit 4-2. to two. It was due to their bullpen, especially Clark Schmidt. Cole couldn't finish the second inning. He had five walks in three starts. Cole making $36 million yet to win. His ERA is over six. His manager, Darren Boone. Really believe he's poised for a big year for us and uh, know he's going to you know, carry us for a long stretch. Uh, you know, just hasn't gone his way so far, but um, I do feel like he's close. He's just got to, you know, get locked in with his rhythm, and, and he'll take it from there. Although the Yanks won some hitting woes continue, Kyle Higashioka is batting 103. Joey Gallo, who went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, is batting 121, no RBIs. Another shutout win for the Rangers. That's three in a row. First time since 1973 at the Garden. 31 saves for Igor Sesterkin. Rangers got their 50th win. 3-0 over Winnipeg. NBA playoffs, Miami got 45 points from Jimmy Butler and went up 2-0 on Atlanta. Memphis beat Minnesota. New Orleans upset Phoenix. Those series both tied at one. Nets Celtics game two tonight in Boston after the Celtics won the opener at the buzzer. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. All right, John, thank you. It's 6.37 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Markets correspondent Danny Berger is with us this morning. Danny, obviously the big mover of the morning continues to be Netflix after those rough earnings. I mean, this was a real shocker. I have to say, the quote that stood out for me, Michael Nathanson of Moffitt Nathanson saying, it's just shocking. So they lost about uh, 200,000 customers in the first quarter, and it is the first time um, since 2011 that they lost subscribers. It's notable because they've been on this really big upward trajectory of continuing to add subscribers quarter after quarter, year after year. So this is a pretty big about face and to some degree just shows that, you know, we're not all locked up in our homes anymore. We're going out. We're doing more than just watching Netflix. And are we seeing any uh, similar moves playing out with other companies that have streaming exposure? Think of like uh, Disney or Roku, companies like that. Yeah, I mean, certainly this this isn't just confined to Netflix. I mean, Netflix itself is down about 26% pre-market. You compare that to Disney, for example, it's down 5%, uh, so not down as drastically. Um, some of the other companies, again, they're declining, but not as much. I think there's perhaps a, a hope with some of these other streaming services um, that they're more diversified. You think of a Disney, for example, which has more uh, than just Disney+. Plus. Of course, they've really put their eggs in that basket, but, you know, you look at a Disney for example, they really started out as sort of this value stock and then added on this growthy component of Disney+. Plus. Now what Netflix has to do is the opposite. They were a really growthy stock, and now they have to convince the market that they can pivot to be a more of a value stock. So it, it, it's a harder proposition now for Netflix than some of their rivals. In our last minute here, Danny, we're starting to see the broader market move a little bit higher now. Is there a little bit of an expectation that the overall earnings picture might not be so bad as the Netflix story? 
Look, we have started to see more earnings downgrades than we have in the past, but again and again, you have people pointing to the fact, yes, we have higher yields. The earnings picture would support it. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't give you the other side of that. Bank of America says that we are overestimating margins. Q1 is as good as it gets. So, for now, people are happy about equities, but does it last is the big question. And we know you'll be watching, of course, because that is your job. Bloomberg Markets correspondent Danny Berger. Again, thanks for being with us in this pre-market. And as we look at stocks as a whole, ahead of the Wednesday morning open, we have S&P futures moving just a bit higher, up four points or about a tenth percent. Dow futures are higher by 69 points. That's a gain of two-tenths percent. NASDAQ futures still lower, but little change to the downside, down nine points. The 10-year Treasury is up 16.30 seconds, yield 2.87 percent, yield on the two-year 2.55. NYMEX crude up seven-tenths percent or 73 cents, $103.29 a barrel. The latest from Washington up next, including the sort of waffling stance on the mask mandate. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins will be with us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Clouds give way to sunshine today with a high near 60. More clouds and sun tomorrow with a high near 60 once again. We'll be near 70, partly sunny by Friday. Currently 43 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. S&P futures are higher this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. U.S. futures somewhat quiet right now. With Dow futures up 76 points. SBs gained four. NASDAQ futures are down by 11. The U.S. 10 yield at 2.87%. Gold is little changed. Oil trading higher. And Bitcoin is rising by 1.1%. Shanghai dropped 1.4% overnight, while European markets are in the green, led by gains in France and Germany. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, existing home sales. And after the bell last night, Netflix reported its first subscriber loss in a decade. Shares are plunging 27% pre-market. Regarding earnings this morning, Comerica EPS was in line. And wrapping things up, Netflix was downgraded by at least five firms this morning. And Palantir was raised to sector performance. Over at RBC. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A British judge has formally approved the extradition of Julian Assange to the United States to face spying charges. The case will now go to Britain's Interior Minister for a decision. The U.S. wants to try Assange on 17 charges of espionage and one charge of computer misuse related to WikiLeaks publication of classified documents. Russia is launching an offensive in Ukraine in an attempt to slice the country in two and isolate part of the Donbas region. In MLB, the Yankees won. The Mets swept a doubleheader against the Giants. The Nationals swept a doubleheader against the Diamondbacks. The Red Sox won. The A's beat the Orioles 2-1. The game was played before the smallest Oakland crowd of just more than 3,700 fans in decades. In the NHL, the Rangers and Bruins won. The Islanders lost an OT to the Panthers 3-2. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Karen. 
All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news now in science and technology with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked a top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report, and a top 10 for best career placement among public schools by the Princeton Review. More at NJIT.edu. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Health officials say they have detected more cases of a mysterious liver disease in children that was first identified in Britain with new infections spreading to Europe and the U.S. Last week, British officials reported 74 cases of hepatitis or liver inflammation found in children since January. The usual viruses that cause infectious hepatitis were not seen in the cases, and scientists and doctors are considering other possible sources. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say almost 90% of U.S. children hospitalized for COVID during the Omicron wave this winter were unvaccinated. Though Omicron has generally been considered milder than prior variants, peak intensive care unit admission rates for children were 1.7 times as high during January when Omicron reigned than when Delta peaked in October. And the global smartphone market has had its worst drop since the COVID outbreak. Smartphone shipments fell 11% in the first quarter. Inflation fears, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the Omicron variant are being blamed for an unsteady recovery for the sector. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thanks. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's just about 6.51 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden wavering on the fight over masks in public transit, the President promising more artillery to Ukraine after a meeting with allies, and President Biden touting infrastructure on a trip to New Hampshire. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us now for more on all these stories. Emily, good morning. Can you help us sort out how the Biden administration is responding to the federal judge's ruling that lifted the masks in planes and trains? Yeah, it's a little confusing at this point, Nathan, because we saw the Justice Department yesterday saying publicly that it stood ready to appeal the ruling that was issued on Monday by a Trump-appointed federal judge in Florida, but they were waiting for the CDC's conclusion that the order remained necessary. And then the CDC, an hour later, released its own statement and really did not clearly say whether the health agency wanted the Justice Department to even appeal And there's a risk here, Nathan, for the Biden administration. I mean, if they did wind up appealing and then they wound up losing, that could uh, impact how the CDC could take some basic public health precautions just in case we see a surge of cases in the fall or in the winter. And so at this point, it's not clear that a ruling is going to be appealed at this point. You kind of heard yesterday Biden talk about this message about, you know, that everyone's got to kind of take responsibility, figure out what's best for them. Um, it seems like this is something, though, though, that the CDC is still talking about, still considering. So we might see future action on it. Uh, it's just good to, to know that there is a risk here should the Biden administration pursue an appeal. And I guess there's a little bit of confusion as well, Emily, about the idea of the Centers for Disease Control, a health agency, making a decision on a legal matter, uh, the idea of appealing a case, something that you would think would be the Justice Department's final decision. 
Yeah, Nathan, uh, definitely this is something I think a little, a few people were kind of surprised uh, by the fact that they were turning to the CDC on this. But remember, the CDC was actually in the process of investigating whether or not the mask mandate should continue on public transportation settings. I think it was supposed to end around April 18th on Monday. And then the CDC said, we're going to extend this for 15 days because we just need more time to review it. So it did seem like they were seriously considering perhaps ending the order on their own, uh, just given how short the, the extension was. But they really had not yet come to a conclusion on whether or not to end that mask mandate. And there's political considerations here as well, right? I mean, a lot of Americans, a lot of voters are pretty weary about wearing masks. And you've got to think that there's a lot of pressure in the White House to accommodate that to some extent, particularly this close to a midterm election. Absolutely, Nathan. I mean, you saw Biden really come in as president and say that he was going to be the one to sort of get the country past COVID. Uh, you saw, you know, his administration have all those early benchmarks getting various percents of the population vaccinated. And then Delta came and then Omicron came and things have really uh, you know, knock on the way that Biden initially anticipated they would. You still have a large percent, uh, a significant percent, rather, of the country that's unvaccinated. And that's really complicated Biden's push to say that this virus is over. I mean, yes, you do have people who are wearing of wearing masks. But you also have people who are still very concerned. You still have parents of kids who are uh, under five who can't get them vaccinated. And you still have the millions of immunocompromised individuals. So I think there's really a wide range at this point of views on the masks. But the Biden administration, they are at least trying to show that since they came into office two years ago, that they have made progress and the American people should trust that they're doing the right thing. All right, let's turn to another major issue facing the president. Of course, that's the war in Ukraine. We had that uh, virtual meeting with allies. What more do we know that came out of that? So one thing that we're really starting to understand now is just sort of the, the, the work that needs to be done in regards to making sure that Ukraine can be rebuilt when all this is over, that they have the finances to do so. And you are seeing a coalition of European groups come together and say, yes, we do expect to pay uh, and really help Ukraine uh, come back after they have been absolutely shattered by this war. Um, the European Commission told diplomats they're working on an uh, instrument to focus on the long-term needs of the country. Uh, this is kind of coming as there are additional discussions about what weapons should be provided to Ukraine, uh, what Ukraine needs in terms of humanitarian assistance at this point. I mean, right now, the war is not going in Ukraine's favor. Um, in the city of Mariupol, uh, Ukrainian defenders are really making their last stand at this steel plant, and Russia is uh, demanding that they lay down their arms and surrender. Uh, President Vladimir Zelensky is making a last pitch for, for effort and for help here. Uh, but you're still seeing that, you know, while, while countries like the U.S. are willing to provide more artillery, more weapons, they're not willing to send in soldiers and they're not willing to institute a no-fly zone. Now, last minute here, Emily, we know the president was in New Hampshire yesterday touting his infrastructure plan, but uh, political headwinds are pretty tough for the president right now. They're incredibly tough for the president, but at this point, we really haven't seen that impact 
active standing within the Democratic Party. It still seems like a lot of uh, those who are campaigning want to be seen with him. Uh, we've seen House members in difficult races go ahead and embrace him. And his trip to New Hampshire, this is going to be a really politically important state come November. You've got Senator Maggie Hassan, who's running again. She's considered one of the more vulnerable Democratic senators uh, who could potentially lose her seat. Uh, you've also got a couple of uh, House races up there that's going to be very competitive with Congressman Chris Pappas. And so going up there, touting infrastructure, I mean, this is kind of sticking to the White House's playbook at this time to really get out there and try and tell the American people what they've done, what they've passed, and how it's going to benefit them. Um, and they need to have that message because some of these infrastructure projects uh, that are go- that's going to be funded by this legislation, they're not going to start for, uh, for some time, and they're certainly not going to be completed for years. So right now, the mm-hmm. messaging on this bill is very important. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from Washington. Emily, thank you. S&P futures up three points. Staff futures up 64. NASDAQ futures down 13. Bloomberg surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.